Welcome to the AW Confidential Podcast. I'm the founder of Awakened Women and author of A Journey to Becoming the Best Self. AW is about sharing stories. I believe it's one of the best ways to create connection, heal, and learn from one another. I hope you join me and some guests along the way as we explore different perspectives and experiences on topics about women, for women, and to inspire, empower, and encourage women. Welcome to the AW Confidential Podcast. Today, I want to discuss uh, vulnerability, um, survivorship, and courage. And I have a really special guest with us today. The human spirit is resilient. I believe two of our greatest gifts as human beings is our ability to love and overcome adversity. Today's guest embodies both. She loved herself out of despair and came back to thrive in spite of all the hardship she has endured. Nas McNutt is a Hollywood celebrity stylist and author, and she has worked with some of the most well-known celebrities that we've heard of. Um, Sterling K. Brown, Jeannie Mai, and her book, 7,000 Miles to Freedom was published in 2021, and it is based on her memoir. But I can't do it justice. I would first welcome Nas. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. You know, as I was sort of doing the reading for this interview, I felt that the best way for us to get a true um account of what happened and and i'm sorry i know it'll be a little bit abbreviated but i think you know you've been featured in people and in style magazines your story has been heard and i want the audience to actually hear it from you sure. um so i would love if you could share with us maybe just give us a glimpse of you know, your incredible story. I know you were born in Tehran, Iran, yes. and you came to the U.S. as a refugee. And you had many challenges. And I want you to talk a bit about those challenges. I read that you endured abuse, you were held hostage, and you also had some run-ins with the morality police. And for us, for me included, if you can just give us sort of uh, a little account of a what is the morality police and just you know tell us a little bit about your journey sure um at this point a lot of people in the world know what's going on in my country iran um there has been an uprising a revolution that uh women have started and uh it is because of the morality police so morality police is a branching of the policing that um, the Islamic regime, after the revolution of 1979, when they took over Iran, that's a branching of the policing that uh, monitors the streets, and they just look for anything that go goes against their uh, rules and regulations, which, you know, you have to be covered from head to toe if you're a woman, and if a little bit of your hair is showing, you get in trouble with the morality police. If you're speaking to 
an opposite sex that's not related to you, your brother, your father, um, your uncle, um, you get arrested by morality police. Um, there is so much that, you know, you have nail polish, you have more, you know, makeup than you should or any makeup. So there's so much that they have made up uh, in the name of religion that they just arrest people for whatever that they think is wrong. So that's morality police. And I had an encounter with them when I was 13 years old, when I was in public and just speaking to a boy from my neighborhood. We grew up together and we were just passing by on the street and we're saying hi. And I felt a barrel of a gun behind my head and thrown in the van and taken to jail. So that's what they do. They look for these things. And yeah, so people of Iran are fed up and there is a revolution that's going on right now. The reason it started in September when they arrested a young woman, 22 year old, her name is Masajina Amini, and a few strands of her hair was showing. They beat her so bad that she actually passed uh, in morality police custody. And that's why we see the revolution happening in Iran right now. Wow, uh, that was, it was a wake up call to hear it from a woman that experienced it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I also read that you were you, you held hostage. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? So um, when I was in, uh, still living in Iran, so I lived in Iran till I was 23 years old. Um, I did marry my very first boyfriend just because going back to the morality police, um, you can't really have a boyfriend. It's again, it's against you know, their, their um, standards. Um, so unfortunately, not wanting, I was already in trouble with the Marada police and the government enough uh, because I was a rebel and I was fighting against the rules that they were forcing on us, especially women who have no rights, zero rights um, in Iran. And I was getting in a lot of trouble throughout my life growing up in Iran. And when I started dating my uh, boyfriend, I just didn't want that to be one of the reasons that we get arrested and get in trouble. So unfortunately, at a very young age, I married my first boyfriend and um, it became after marriage, my, I stayed behind in Iran and my whole family actually was living in the United States. My parents were going back and forth, but they came and stayed in the United States. The relationship became extremely abusive. My uh, ex-partner became an alcoholic and I was held hostage. I could not leave the house. Uh, I was locked in. And um, the reason that I try so hard to fight for women's rights, it's because women have no rights in Iran after the Islamic regime took over. And there is nowhere to go. There is nowhere, um, no safe haven for women to go if they are experiencing domestic violence. So the police, the government, there's no organization. And if you do go to the police, there's no uh, restraining order. They send you back to your abuser because men basically own women. So before marriage is your father, after marriage is your husband, and he has all the rights. So yeah, I was kind of like held hostage and I couldn't leave the apartment. I couldn't uh, go anywhere. Um, till I escaped. Wow, and I am so glad that you did. Thank you. Now, I think, you know, as 
as an American and, you know, part of the free world, I think it's easy for us to take things for granted. And, you know, especially when we're born into it and listening to your story is a learning experience. It is, um, you know, sort of a way for us to connect because things go on all over the world that we don't hear about. Now, one of the things that I think is important to point out is that, you know, you fought for every little bit of freedom that you have today. Yes. And you came here to the U.S. as a refugee. And I'm curious, what was that turning point, just sort of that shift that happened that you said, I can't do this anymore? Because you withstood so much already. So what was that, you know, that day, that moment that just said, you know, no more? So this is a very good question because it brings me back to the point that everybody asked me, uh, what's your message? What are you trying to do? Why did you write the book? Um, I was keeping this to myself because my dad really didn't want me to get married. And he used a scare tactic for me to not marry this man and one of the things he said it was like the very last minute when we were I didn't have any wedding or anything we just went to the courthouse and signed papers and right before we do that my dad told me if you're gonna do this don't ever think of coming back he was a very strict old-fashioned man um when I was you know that young I took that very seriously you know I wasn't thinking a father's love if you go through a hard time and you're in trouble is going to uh, overwrite, you know, his distaste for divorce or anything. Um, so I kept that to myself. The abuse went on for a while and I wasn't telling anyone. However, one day when my sister called me from California to check on me, which she would do once a week, that day, that specific day, I had endured a really bad physical abuse the night before. And I was black and blue, I was bruised, I was cut, and I just burst in tears, and I was crying really hard, and I was telling my sister, it's just because I'm missing you guys, and she didn't buy it, knowing me well. So she kind of like took it out of me, and I finally spoke out, and I finally said what was happening. And within 30 minutes, my whole life changed when I spoke out. My sister said, stay right there, I'll call you in 10, 15 minutes. She spoke to my dad and my mom who were, you know, with her in California and she had a plan in place. Um, and she wanted me to find a way, however I could, to get out of that place and go to my parents' apartments that they still had in the city. Um, so I found a way to convince my sister-in-law who was home with me and, you know, my ex and his mother weren't home. We were living with them at that time. And I somehow convinced her to let me go for just a few hours to be with my uncle. Um, and for some reason, she felt bad for me and she opened the door, unlocked the door and let me go. And I left and never went back. I went to my parents' apartments. But the, the point is, the minute you speak, the minute you say to someone what is happening to you, your life can change dramatically without you even knowing. Um, I really just didn't know it's gonna 
you know, changed so fast. So um, my biggest message, um, the reason I wrote the book is please talk to someone. You don't need to suffer in silence. What is waiting for you outside of that situation is so much better than what you're going through right now. And I, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I, you know, having a voice is something that is just, it's critical for us, especially as women. And, you know, in this free society that we live in, we can sometimes feel like we don't have a voice. And that could be out of fear of retaliation. What will people think of us? Or, you know, it could be, we just don't feel that maybe we matter. And that is all not true. Now, when did you start feeling like, you know, like you had a voice, like you had something to say? Because at 13, you were already sort of in on that path. Yeah, I was always um, a fighter against um, injustice because I just, from a young age, I didn't understand why um, things are the way they are, especially where I lived in Iran. You know, I was only four years old when the revolution happened and, you know, women's rights were all taken away. So growing up, I, I still had a sense of this is not right. So when I was going to school, I would rebel in and fight in my own way. So the textbooks in, you know, from elementary school to high school, the very first page is always a picture of the Supreme Leader um, that took, you know, over um, Iran and made, you know, the Shah of Iran, the King of Iran leave. And, you know, they turned the country into a strict, very strict um, Islamic regime. Um, I still knew things are not, why, why am I dictated and am I told to speak a certain way, to dress a certain way, to be a certain way? I couldn't be, nobody could be themselves. You didn't have the freedom of um, choose the major you wanted to study, choose the book you wanted to read, choose the music you want to listen to, the way you want to dress. You don't have any of those options. And I always challenged the authorities. And so I was always in trouble with the principles and I would draw like uh, devil horns on the picture of the supreme leader that was my way of fighting back and showing my distaste and you know showing them that I'm fighting back um, and then when that happened to me at the age of 13 while I was sitting in a jail you know in that small cold cell waiting for you know my parents to come and bail me out I just, something went off in me. This was not right. You know, I was in jail with grown women who were, you know, real criminals. They were either, you know, streetwalkers or, you know, did something really horrific. And here I am, a 13-year-old, was just talking to a boy, no touching. I had my hijab on. Um, so from day, that day on, I knew that I had to find a way to fight back however I could. And... Um, I didn't really, so I, I did these like little tantrums against the but government you, and authority. That was your way of resisting. That was my way. Was yeah. You know, I couldn't, you know, it, it wasn't, that's how we could show that we are not okay with the way things are. 
But once I came to United States and I felt safe from not only my abuser, but from the government, um, once I arrived in the United States and found my place here and saw that there is freedom of speech, there is freedom of you being who you want to be, um, I just started voicing my opinions more and, and my truth more. And also, once I wrote the book, there was no turning back. I put everything out there. And that gave me a reason to become, you know, an activist and speak up more and talk about domestic violence. There was nothing else that I haven't said in a book. So there was nothing else that I, you know, was worried about to hide and not wanting to share. That gave me the permission, especially after Me Too movement happened, being in an entertainment business, I found my voice and I started speaking up and speaking out about things women go through, uh, women's rights. And recently with, um, you know, the revolution that's happening in Iran, as I said, it's female-led. They started it, all women. Um, I just owe it to my people to just keep talking about how how bad women have it in Iran and what they're doing, what they're going through, what we have been going through for 44 years. And we do what we can do from outside of Iran to support the men and the women in, inside of Iran who are taking onto the streets and risking their lives. Wow. Now, surviving this type of trauma or, or any trauma, it leaves emotional scars. And I'm wondering for you, how did going through this ordeal change you? Um, I know you are a courageous woman. I know, and I don't know you. I know you are a beautiful woman because I am looking at you. Um, but how did it change you? How did, you know, there must have been that transformation and you are now older, you're wiser. How has it changed you? It has changed your life. But how about you? Because it, you know, trauma leaves some deep scars. Yes. You know, um, one of the most therapeutic things that I could have done was writing my book because I really didn't deal with, you know, any of the trauma that I've experienced in a proper way. I never got a therapist. You know, I just put it in the back of my head and I'm like, I'm never going to think about it. I'm here, I'm safe, I'm thousands of miles away. So uh, I'm just going to forget about it, um, which is not the right way to deal with, you know, issues and traumas. So once I started writing the book, I first, it, it made my bond with my family a lot stronger because there were a lot that I didn't told, I, I, I haven't told them till the book came out. So there were a lot of details that they didn't know. So it kind of like um, made my bond stronger with my own mother. And also it made me deal with all the trauma and all the things that I've dealt with. So I would write a chapter and I would stop and I would cry and I would think, and it, it brought back memories. You know, it's like you're, Absolutely. you have to process face it. You have to, you have to process it. So I sat with it, you know, it took three years to write this book. 
because I had to submit with my pain and feel it and mourn for that very young girl who had to deal with all this by herself without her family being around. Um, so that was the sort of therapy that I really did for myself, you know, writing. Um, how it changed me. You know, I mean, we change every day. It just made me just become a lot more compassionate and um, and just have, it kind of started a fire inside of me to continue to fight for women, whatever it means. So at a, again, when Me Too movement happened, you know, I started speaking out about my own experiences in this industry. Um, you know, when the abortion rights were taken away, you know, I was speaking about that all the time. And then when the, you know, the revolution in my own country in Iran started, my focus changed and it became women of Iran, you know, to let the world know what they're going through and how they're fighting for their rights. So it changed me in a way that I wasn't scared of speaking out anymore. I wasn't afraid of being judged because I put the book out and my whole life is in there. So there's nothing else to really, for me to be like, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that. I can't say this you or that. You took your power so back, right? I took my power back and I feel like I've been freely um, speaking about the real issues in society and especially what affects women mostly. Absolutely. Now we, I do believe this. I believe that good or bad, every experience in life gives us a lesson, something to learn. And I'm curious, what has been your greatest lesson and how will you use that lesson to help other women? The biggest lesson I learned is there's always someone out there to help. There's always someone who cares. So I know a lot of women don't leave these situations because uh, financial independency, because they think there's no life, you know, if I leave this man or woman, you know, men go through views as well. Um, I have kids. I don't want him to grow up without a father. You know, there's so many excuses that women make for themselves. And I learned that Yes, I was lucky to have a sister and a family that supported me, but I've learned in any sort of uh, issue that you have, if you just ask for help, somebody is willing to help. Women here or in Western countries have a lot more resource that we, you know, in Middle East or especially in Iran that we have. Um, we don't have any of the organizations that, you know, we have here to help women to have, you know, to help survivors or victims. We have all these resources. And even if you don't have a family member or a close friend that's willing to help, there is someone out there that's willing to help. You know, you don't want if you have children and that's your excuse, you don't want your children to grow up and have an abusive man or woman as an example. You know, I know financial independence is a huge one, but again, there's help out there till you get back on your feet. So just remember that the life that's waiting for you outside of that situation would be a lot better than your current situation. 
That is so true. So you break away from the constraints that are holding you back from your freedom. You come to the U.S. You got a degree at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles. Congratulations. I know that Thank was a you. while ago. But you built <laughs> this, <laughs> but you built this new life, this new career, this, you know, you're thriving. And you wrote your memoir, which was a recount of what happened to you and, and your story. And you are also an advocate for women's rights. So you're working to bring awareness to sexual violence and domestic violence. So what's next, Banaz? Right now, I'm extremely focused on my people in Iran. Uh, with the revolution that's going on right now, as I said, women started this revolution. And, um, you know, I'm not alone. All Iranians outside of Iran, their focus have shifted. We've never been more united. Um, our focus is people in Iran and supporting them um, however we can to achieve this regime change. Um, that's all they're asking of us to go to their rallies, to reach out to the representatives, to do whatever we can from outside of Iran to help them finish this revolution and um, help them in the changing of this brutal regime. So my focus right now, besides, I mean, I have my clients, I have to work as well. Um, but besides, you know, um, taking care of my clients and especially right now it's award season so it's like yes. a very very busy time <laughs> so I still do find some time in a day to even if I do a post on social media about what's going on in Iran um, you know I, every Saturday we have rallies in Los Angeles so I try to attend um, and we try to engage the media so we're putting a spotlight on what's going on in Iran and get the politicians and the leaders to help us um, to help people of Iran, you know, to become independent and get rid of this regime. So that's really my focus right now. I love it. I love it. I can't let you go without asking you two more questions. The first one is, how does a woman that had so many um, freedoms denied, including expressing herself, come to the U.S. and become a celebrity stylist. Where did that come from? <laughs> I was always the only creative child in my household. So my sisters, my you know, they were very academic, and you know, I, I was always the one who wanted to write, you know, poems and and draw and um, fashion and music and film and cinema. This was like my love growing up. I was just fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. um, we obviously, you know, women don't have a lot of opportunities and men, but men have a little more freedom than women in Iran. So we don't have as much opportunities back home. So once I got to United States and I found my place here, um, I knew that I had to take advantage of this freedom and all the opportunities that I have here and not waste my life, just, you know, just exist. So I put myself, I actually was 29 years old, 28 or nine when I went to college. Um, 
as I said, I was 23 when I came here. So I needed to find who I was here in this new country and what I could do and what I wanted to do. So took a few years and I decided that I wanted to pursue fashion. And, you know, I went to fashion institute, got my, um, I worked and I went to college at the same time. Um, and then, you know, when I graduated little by little, I tried a lot of different things in fashion, um, you know, because there's so many things you can do right. in the fashion industry, um, you know, from custom design for films and, you know, or what I do, which is, you know, uh, styling celebrities, personal I think shopping. I- I think I, if I'm not mistaken, you just styled um, someone on the cover. Was it Harper's Bazaar? Yes. 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 Congratulations. It's beautiful. Thank you. you. She's a British actress. So, or photo shoots, as you mentioned. Um, And I found that I wanted to be in film, but I I found that the grueling hours being unsaid was like, I couldn't handle it. So I found that I was really good at styling and I enjoyed it so I you know stuck to that and you know just little by little you know you do one photo shoot and then there is a celebrity and they need a stylist and you get one and then another one another one so that's how it all started I love it congratulations you talk about it and you can see the glow so you're (laughs) an you're an inspiration now I want to one of the things that I like to do at the end of the interview is offer some sort of quote or mantra or advice for listeners. So for anyone listening who may feel that they, like you, do not have the courage to get out of their current situation, you know, whatever it is, whether it's abuse, whether it's, you know, they feel stuck in a really toxic situation. um, What can you share as far as an advice, a mantra, or quote that helped give you strength in those moments, in that time of need that you felt you were drowning? Because I think we all have moments like that to different degrees. So what would you say to those men and women? You know, again, my situation was different because I was in a country that women have no rights and I had nowhere to go. Not everybody, I understand that not everybody has um, a family member to help them or a very close friend to help them. I understand that. But my biggest thing is if you don't say anything, people don't know. How would anybody know what you're going through if you're not saying anything? Ask for help. There is no shame in it. Um, My situation was different because my sister kind of like draw it out of me she insisted so much because she knew me well and she knew that I wasn't telling the truth but I learned my lesson I'm like oh my god the minute I said something within 30 minutes my whole life changed look where I am now if I hadn't said anything to my own sister and the reason I use my example because is because I want people to understand yes the system is broken even here Um, It's not perfect. However, we do have a lot more opportunities here in the United States than I did in Iran. So forget the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt that comes with, you know, being in, in a situation like that. 
you know, for me, I had a lot of guilt because my mother, my father, everybody said, don't do it. I was very young. They wanted me to come here to United States to be with my siblings. And I didn't listen. Um, so I had a lot of guilt. That's why I kept it to myself. And I thought my dad is going to be so mad and, and angry at me. And he was so kind. Um, sorry, it makes me a little emotional no, because okay. my dad passed about uh, 12 years ago. But um, to see that no matter what, there is someone out there, even my dad who was like, divorce was like a shameful thing. It was a no-no. To see how he softened and changed and, you know, they left um, and came back home to help me out right away. And, you know, he helped me to pack a bag and escape Iran overnight because my ex wasn't giving, you know, signing the divorce papers and my life was in danger because he could do whatever he wanted to me. It was his property. So my biggest lesson was you never know who's willing to help. So please don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong that you've done. We all make mistakes and just say something. That's your it. Voice. Just say something, say something. I promise you, maybe the first person says, I can't help you. Maybe the second person says, I can't help you. But eventually someone will say, you know what? I can't help you. Um, that's, that's, that's the biggest lesson. And that's what I tell people. I keep repeating this, say something. Thank you so much. Thank you for your vulnerability, for sharing your story. And can you share with that, with our audience, how can we learn more about you? Sure. Well, I'm most active on, um, Instagram, so they can find me on Nas underscore Meknat, M-E-K-N-A-T. Um, I update on what's going on in Iran a lot. I update, you know, people on my, who, people who like fashion on my work. Um, and anybody who wants to read the book, it's available on Amazon. It's called 7,000 Miles to Freedom. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you for having Best me. Best of luck. Thank and you thank so much. you. And thank you for listening to another episode of the AW Confidential Podcast. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of AW Confidential. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with all your friends. You can find me on awakened-woman.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse as Woman Awakened. I'm also on Facebook as AW Inspires. I hope you join me next time on another episode that is sure to be anything but confidential.